June 24th. Okay, I have a plan and we only have about three days till our progress can be tracked. It's just a waiting game at this point. I only hope that the biome can be saved. I lied and told Enron that one of our drills was down and this might buy us some time if needed, but I'm hoping this will all be resolved by then. I'm exhausted and need to get some sleep. I will detail my plan in tomorrow's audio log. End of audio log 22. Yo, what is going on, you guys? This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And this is your favorite video game podcast, the Sticky Buttons Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a really special episode for you guys in store. Blake, why don't you go ahead and give them a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, definitely, man. Well, we're back at it today. And last week, I took a little trip down to Boston to a gaming convention known as PAX East. Oh, yeah. Today, I'm going to talk about that. And that was super awesome. So I guess right off the bat, do you know what PAX East is? I'm familiar with it. I've seen like the YouTube videos every year. I've seen the announcements. You know, I've, I've heard about some of my favorite games thanks to PAX East. You know, I do live in the East Coast. So I've definitely heard of it. I've never had the pleasure of seeing it. And I still don't know what PAX stands for. P-A-X. Yeah. It even stands for anything. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I guess, yeah, I have absolutely no idea what PAX stands for, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but yeah, so I've actually, I had really only ever heard about it this year. And I had a buddy that lives in Boston and he was like, Hey, do you want to go to PAX East? And I had heard about PAX, I think on maybe like a podcast or two, like maybe I'd heard about it on a YouTube video or something, but I wasn't like really super familiar with it. And I kind of looked at their website and I was like, cool, like I'm sold, I'm in. So I guess thanks to my buddy for, for hosting me out there. Shout out to Andrew. So thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it, man. I had an absolute blast. And yeah, I want to talk about that. So really quick, PAX East, this is, this is from their website, is the, the biggest gaming event on the East Coast. And I guess to give you some more context, PAX is held annually in Seattle, Boston, Philadelphia, San Antonio in the United States. And they also have one in Melbourne, Australia. And this was originally created in 2004. And to give you the sales pitch, this is from their website, We've got games, we've got panels, we've got exhibitions, we've got games, we've got tournaments, we've got, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> they, they say we've got games like three times. So it's kind of like they're in like a cadence and said, we've got indies, we've got esports, we've got tournaments. And then it says, we've got games. Oh, and did I mention we've got games? So it's a big kind of gaming event. They've got all kinds of things like from panels to demos and it's all kinds of games. Like it's all encompassing. They've got card games, board games, and video games. And I got to demo some really incredible video games. The event is, is four days. I only went for two, but it was just so much. Truthfully, like there's just so much. And if you Google like the best demos of PAX East 2022, I just did. because <laughs> yeah. so I was trying to remember the name of something. They had a completely different list of things that I just didn't even get to. Like I took some videos, I'll probably post them on our TikTok after we post this episode or maybe before, but it was just so big, Brandon, like this convention center, man. I mean, a question comes to mind and I hate to cut you no, off, do you're I fine. was looking at, I was just on Instagram looking at, you know, PAX East and, and what some people were posting and it seemed so massive. I couldn't help but think 
it looked like an airport. It, like, like it did, man. It it is kind of like an airport. Like I have, so I've never really been to a convention center before, but the the Boston Convention Center is humongous. Like you could probably because it was held in the Boston Convention Center, you could probably look that up. I mean, it is huge. Truthfully, they have this thing in the middle. It's kind of like a bridgeway, and it kind of reminds me of like like if you took an escalator up to the second floor of an airport and like look down, you know, I mean, that's kind of what this breezeway kind of looked like. And it was just huge, man. Like truthfully, I would say at least three high school football fields could fit in maybe four. And I mean like the whole stadium, not just the field. So it was just massive. No. Yeah. It looks like the military can like test out crazy things. in there. Yeah, I guess to give you some more context, I've been to a couple like, um, I guess like pro pro games or whatever, like pro sports games. And growing up near South Bend, there's like the Notre Dame football field. And sometimes what they do there is they'll have uh, hockey rinks. They like put a hockey rink inside the stadium. And I mean, a hockey rink is a little bit smaller than like a, a football field, but like it really felt like you could have fit all of that in there. And like, cause I mean, like the stadium's not, totally filled for you know like a hockey game that they're going to put on a football field but it felt like that whole thing could fit in there not like the whole stadium but like at least half of it you know yeah you know what i mean yeah it was just huge it was just massive dude so truthfully we couldn't have done everything and i i'm sad that we couldn't do everything but it's like we had some truly great experiences i mean we're there from dawn till dusk is it designed so that you can't do everything or are there like packages where like if you go every day you can you know, eventually see it all. Well, I don't think so. And I actually, I have a good example of this. So there's this game that we really wanted to see that we unfortunately didn't get the chance to like play ourselves. And we watched five minutes of like gameplay of it. And this was uh, Cult of the Lambs. It's a new game that's going to come out. It's a roguelite, which actually I kind of want to talk a little bit more about roguelites. Maybe we'll do it on a, in a later a later episode because I, I didn't really understand what that type of game was. But anyways, I, we really wanted to demo this game. It's a new one that's coming out. And the line was like two hours long. And every time we walked past it, it was like two to three hours long. They had like a sign of how long it would be. And we're, I was just like, that's just crazy. Like I wouldn't, I mean, like it's only from, you know, 10 to six and you got to eat and drink in there. You know what I mean? So you don't have a ton of time. And especially when you're having fun, you know, and this getting lost in this, huge convention center where there's booth after booth of game demos that you can try out. Like it's hard to, I guess it's very easy to like use all your time up. And one thing that they did is they, they had media appointments and I found this out later after the fact, but at this cult of the lambs they had. So, okay. So the reason the line is so long is it was a 20 minute demo. So if you wait in this line, you can sit in, you have 20 minutes to play their game. You have 20 minutes to play their demo. And that's kind of why the line is two hours, but because every like I found this out after the fact, but they had like media appointments to where like if you're from like a media outlet, you can schedule a time to demo their game. They canceled all of those because the line was so long and they were like, we just want people to see it, which I think is really cool that they did that. But yeah, I guess that's kind of how it works is if you have a, like a media pass, you can reach out and schedule an appointment to demo a game. But I mean, I just paid to go like i was not part of the media or anything maybe i could have gotten a pass. Maybe, maybe maybe the sticky buttons podcast year two maybe we'll get some yeah i mean we got to work on, on all that stuff get our media passes 
get uh, set up our, our LLC, all that good stuff. <laughs> lots in the work. Yeah. Lots in the works. But yeah, so so basically, yeah, so that's how it would work. But they like for that one, for example, it's just so popular that they actually canceled all their media appointments so more people could play the game, which I think is really cool. But yeah, so what we kind of did is we just walked around and if there was something that we really wanted to see, we'd wait in the line and like the first day we kind of just walked around the whole thing and it really took us about the whole day to walk around the whole thing and we saw some really cool things they also like it's not all game demos so i guess to give you some examples of this there was this really cool thing that we did and you would have really liked this man i actually i took a video of it. i'm gonna put it put it up on tiktok but there were these people that they would make these like pro pc builds that were kind of like for like these gaming conventions and like showroom floors kind of thing. That's kind of what they said. They were like, yeah, so like we've made all of these PCs and they're like designed to look really cool, you know, in this kind of environment. So it's kind of like a, like a show PC. And to give you an example of this, there was like one that was built into a Minecraft chest. And like, if you open the Minecraft chest, you could see the PC it was like all like lit up and they had like water coolants that looked just like so sick and like all the wires were just coated. It just looked like truly just like a super professional show PC. And it was so cool. And they had that for like a couple of others. Like I think they had like a Borderlands 2 chest wow. and that was built into like a PC or they had like a PC built in it. And it was just really cool to see what you could do if you had all these parts. So I think that they sold. Did you take any photos? Yeah, yeah, I have a video of that one. Here, actually, I'll send that to you right now, but. Send that my way. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna post this one sick. on our on our that, TikTok. That Minecraft chest, that sounds crazy. Yeah, it was truthfully insane. But So we did a lot of things like that. Okay, here it is. Just like walking around and seeing the booths. It was really cool. We actually, we did go to two panels and I wanna talk about one of them because I think you'll find it interesting so we went to this one panel called the psychology of pokemon and i that was really interesting because it kind of they talked about like the psychology of gotta catch them all and what they kind of said in this panel was since we're like post-industrial revolution you know we're not hunters and gatherers anymore and there's this like part of our brain that is not being satiated and it's like kind of like that collector aspect to it which is why people have collections and they kind of had these like stats about how many like people would say they're collectors and like how many of us are like, yeah, we have like a lot of these like one items, you know, even if it's not like, even if we wouldn't consider ourselves collectors, like we do, most people find that they have like groups of items that they have collected. And I just thought that was interesting. Like our hunter gatherer brain isn't being satiated and that's kind of why something like that would appeal to us. So I thought that was really cool. That's kind of why a Pokemon game would appeal to us is because it like, you know, kind of appeals to like a certain part of the brain that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they got to catch them all. But then it's also very like cute and, you know, you're in this like very safe environment. So. Yeah, it's very welcoming. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I actually want to shout those people out. They're called Greek Therapeutics and they have a couple books like they have like the Psychology of Zelda and some other books like that. I think maybe like the Psychology of Final Fantasy. But yeah, so I just want to shout out Greek Therapeutics because they're not a non-for-profit because I don't know, like whatever, however way they're set up, but they do a lot of philanthropic work on helping therapists understand what, in their words, geek culture and like how somebody's talking about like, oh, like I'd love certain game and escape into that. They help 
it's like a panel or a group of doctors that are like psychologists that help therapists understand why this type of medium is so, I guess, like registers so much with an individual. So it's like they're helping other psychologists understand a medium that could then help, help a patient, I guess. So I thought that was pretty cool and worth shouting out. So that's Greek therapeutics. Check, look out for their books. We have, or I don't know if it's on the New York library, but there is on one of my library apps, one of their books is on there and it's in audiobook format. So I'm probably going to check that out at some point. So that's very cool. We're shouting out. Yeah, send that my way when you find that book. Mm -hmm. Definitely. How do you spell that? Just... Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. I think I said Greek, but it's geek. So G-E-E-K oh, okay. therapeutics. Okay. And you can find them on social media and things like that. It looks like they have a YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. They also have a website. I'm looking at their business card right now. Yeah, so very cool. Very like interesting things like that. So like that was a panel that we went to and they also have a book coming out. Um, but yeah, so I want to talk about some game demos with you, Brandon. <laughs> So that was a big, get into a big part of it was just kind of walking through and just seeing a, seeing a cool demo and then checking it out. So from what I remember from PAX East and like just the videos that I would see on YouTube growing up, it would all be demos. And like, I would see demos for like games that I was really excited about at, at PAX East or like the, the conferences. Yeah, I actually, there's one that I got to do and it was a demo of a game that I actually had on my wish list. And that was really cool. And it said it's coming out on like PlayStation. I think it's coming out on Switch too, but it's called Trek to Yomi. And it's kind of like a, a side-scrolling samurai game, but you still have other elements that are in like modern combat games. Like you can like block and parry and thrust and stab and slash. And it's all in black and white, and like very futile Japan. Um, and I got to check that out and that was really cool that like, that's a game that I have on my, my, on my wish list that I got to demo. So that one was really cool. But part of it also was just like, kind of just walking around and discovering things that were just like really cool. And then you also like the developers were right there. So for a lot of indie games, like the developers are right there. So for one of them, another one, for example, this is actually a game that I think you would really like Brandon. And it was, the game is called Dwerv. And I don't know if it is Dwerv the Dwarf or if that's kind of just like what we were calling it between me and Andrew. But basically, so it's spelled D-E-W-R-V-E. So Dwerv. And it's kind of like Dwerv the Dwarf. He's kind of a, a dwarf that's, I don't know. That's, the, the naming I thought was kind of, kind of funny, very cool. But basically, it's like a top-down action game. So imagine like an old Zelda or something like that. So like top down and you have an action aspect, but instead of having a sword, Dwarf is kind of a dopey dwarf and he's really kind of weak and he doesn't have a sword. So he builds towers. So then it turns into a tower defense kind of thing, which I thought was really cool because it's kind of like, I mean, you like tower defense games. Like normally you're in a set space, you know, and so you're in like a set space and you kind of have to defend it. But in this game, there was like, you were top down. So you could like move yourself. If you're like, oh my gosh, there's a hill over there. Let me see if I can get this enemy to follow me. But then I'll set up like a trap to slow him down. And then when I get to the hill, I can set up my tower or something like that. So you really got to like move around and use the geography of an area. And I thought that was really cool. And 
it was just awesome because we were talking to somebody and we we're like, oh, like, are you part of the team that made this? And he was like, yeah, me and my buddy. And his buddy just like waved at us because he was talking to somebody else. He's like, we made this whole game. Like it was just us. And that was really cool. Just like have that like kind of personal, you know, interaction and then just be like, dude, like your game is awesome. <laughs> you know? So that, yeah. that was really fun. How, was, how did they set up the demo? Was it on just like a keyboard or was it, did they, yeah so this one they had a controller just hooked up to a pc and they're just kind of using it but like there were a lot of them where it was a mouse and keyboard and a lot of them had mouse and keyboard and controller so that, i guess mouse and keyboard and controller was kind of the default and you could you have to pick which one you wanted to do like there was this one i'm actually not going to shout out the name of it one because i don't remember and it I don't know. I feel kind of bad, <laughs> but it was one of my, or Andrew, my buddy was talking to the developers of this other game. And so basically they had like a big TV at their booth and then they had like a mouse and keyboard set up. And then they had like two smaller PCs and like monitors facing at the end of a table. So basically they had like a backdrop and like a table and the two ends of the table, they had like PC monitor setups. And then they had like this huge showcase TV and like a massive keyboard. And nobody was like, doing the big one and i was like oh like my like he's talking to the developers i'll just hop on this really quick and i was like oh this is one of like an mmo kind of game like i don't really know how to even use a keyboard and like a mouse i'm kind of embarrassed about this a little bit so i'm just going to turn around and go the other way like away from the enemies i was like okay like what's over here and i just like started exploring this world and i walked away from the forest through this field and i saw a desert but then i was like oh is that a castle over there and then i like went to the castle and it was very clear not that like they hadn't developed the game but like they were like oh my god he's not supposed to be here like i because they were like people were talking about the game and they <laughs> they were like talking to people they're like yeah so like as you can see he's going into this castle area like we're just kind of we have this here just to show what the scope of the game is going to be but there's no enemies in this right now or there's no npcs like we're it's really just a demo build. And then like, I'm going in this, this, <laughs> of this castle. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, cool. Like I'm just kind of walking around exploring. And I had like, somebody comes up to me and they're like, Hey, like, can I, can I take over this really quick? And uh, we're going to, we're just going to bring you back over to the part of the build that we have set up for the demo. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's fine. So then they like took the keyboard and mouse away from me and they like, sped it up to like four times speed. And like basically within like 30 seconds, got it back to where I was originally. So I, <laughs> I kind of laughed a little bit because they were like trying to explain the combat to me. And I was like totally failing at the combat. I think they were like kind of just like, oh, this dude has never played one of these games before. He, how would he understand like what, like how our game is special or like what we're doing? And I just thought it was funny. And I like at the end of it, I was kind of just like, thanks for humoring me. because. <laughs> you know, I just, it was a funny experience because I like totally did like the opposite of the demo and I felt kind of bad, but it is what it is. <laughs> so they were trying to show people who were walking by the game. They're like speaking on it while you right, were playing, yeah. and you were just making it hard. I was, to I was. Because you were just like, yeah. you were just playing, you are just being Blake. I was just As being Blake. As you guys all exploring. know, Blake and Breath of the Wild. Just <laughs> exploring away. Not doing the combat, just want to walk around. Yeah. Honestly, I feel I was thinking about this later. I was like, I turned their 
action MMO game into a walking simulator. And I think that's why they like took it away from me because if somebody was walking by and saw me playing, they'd probably be like, oh, what's this like walking sim game? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> it very much wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Just like the experience of like walking around and discovering something. We had a lot of like good experiences. Not that that was a bad experience, but I was not the intended audience for this. And like I said, like half of the convention was like board games and stuff. And we did demo one board game, but like there was just like so many things, so many niche games that it's like you truly like could have found something. Anybody could have walked around and found 10 games that were for them, like no matter what you were into. There's a, a game that stands out to me that I never had played anything like it. And we got to do a demo and it's like, you can wishlist this game on Steam, but it's called Outshine and it's a typing game. And I've like, Brandon, I've never played anything like this. I'm like, I work in corporate America. I was like, I can type, I can type just as fast as the next, next guy in line. And basically what it is, is you're kind of walking. And if you start typing, it moves a character. And if the enemies will pop up in your lane and they'll have like a word appear on the, where their head is and you type the, you type the word. And if you have an error, like they attack you. So like if it was run and I typed RJN instead of RUN, I would have got hit. But if I typed run perfectly, it would have like got him. So it was really cool. Just like, like how that worked out and stuff. And I, I really enjoyed, enjoyed that one. And it was really cool, man. Like just all of the, all the stuff was just awesome. Like the truthfully so much stuff. And there was this, this, another one that when I was demoing it, it kind of like broke the game a little bit. You know, I think that this actually, after talking to some of the developers, there was a couple that were like, yeah, this is the first time we're showing anybody our game. And this, this one that I'm about to talk about, it was kind of a funny experience. And this game is called Aaron's Gift. And after talking to them, it's supposed to be like a very narrative game. It had like very like Victorian punk kind of art style. And it was after talking to them, I talked to them after I played their demo. And I felt like it's just one of those things where it's like, man, this is like truly the first time anybody's seen this game. Like this is the first time they're demoing this because like their controller actually broke with they're like yeah like sorry your controller's broken you kind of just have to like with one finger like hold the cord this way and then you can play and i was like okay like whatever <laughs> you know and i kind of played it and i was like top down like kind of like just kind of exploring and talking to people i mean like it was a narrative game and like i was like we're only gonna be here like 10 minutes like i'm just clicking through the dialogue but i kind of got like a like from them talking to them after they're like yeah it's gonna be like a hero's journey but like this person just wakes up in a post-apocalyptic world and then they get like, they talk to some fairies, which I talked to the fairies and then they transported me to the past. And he's like, he has to fix the past in order so that he doesn't live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland that you started out in. And I was like, okay, like that's a cool idea. And I kind of, you can like roll but like, and you could walk, but the walking is really slow. So I was like rolling everywhere and I was trying to roll through an archway and I accidentally like rolled up a tree. And when I rolled up the tree, I was like inside the wall of their game. And I was walking on, I know, I know. There you go again. I was like walking on top of the houses, which I mean, if you like thought about it in like a 3D plane, 
everything that was supposed to be a border, I got onto the border. So it's like I could walk around everything that was like a border instead of like the ground level. You know what I mean? So somehow, I guess I like discovered a bug in their game where you could get from the like the ground to the rooftops, which is where you weren't supposed to be. So then I was just kind of like walking around all the treetops and stuff. <laughs> I'm sure they were like recording the gameplay so that they could like fix it later. But uh, yeah, after talking to them, it's like, yeah, I kind of did this whole storyline and my husband is like, he's coded all the game. So it's like another thing where it's like two people you know what I mean? Like, it's very much like a passion project. And it was cool, like, getting that human touch. But it was kind of like, oh, man, like, they've got, like, a broken controller. And then I have, like, then I, like, I don't know, just went up their wall. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but definitely worth, like, keeping on your radar. Because after, like, playing that, like, I would love to see what that game becomes. You know, whenever that comes out, in two to ten years, you know, because you never know <laughs> these kind of things. But Yeah, it could be the type of thing where, like, you hear about this really like marketed game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, definitely. And there's like, there was actually a couple that I was like, after playing, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm probably going to pick this one up. There was one called Cal the Kangaroo. Have you heard of Cal the Kangaroo? And, and that's KOA. Okay. So the, the game studio is called Tate Media. So T-A-T-E. And they're out of Warsaw, Poland. And they've made, a couple of these games like Cal the Kangaroo, I think is going to be like their third or fourth in the franchise. And, and they were like, yeah, we just want you to like to play. And they like, I guess they've been around for a while and they have like a GBA game. And they kind of said, yeah, we don't speak about that one. And I just thought that was so funny, you know, because I was talking to a developer there and I was just so fun just to like get in and play their game. Cause it was very much like a, like a huge 3d action platformer you know, and had a very, like, Cal the Kangaroo is a very cute video game character. He's a kangaroo that has boxing gloves. And if you, like, hit an element in the world, like, the the part that they let us do, there was, like, lava. So if you punch the lava, like, your boxing gloves were, like, fire boxing gloves. And you could, like, swing them at, like, spider webs, and it would, like, catch the spider webs on fire, and you could go through. And they're like, yeah, like, we're going to have it to where, like, his boxing gloves can take on, like, different like elements and stuff like that. And I was like, that's just like so cool. And it's like such a, like a cute character idea. You know what I mean? Things like that are just, it's just awesome to play through that. But one thing that I thought was interesting. So we also, one thing we got to do, they had, was a lot of like Intel blanking on all the other things, but there's a lot of like PC makers and they had like this whole area where I think they had like a hundred, maybe 200 PCs and you could just go demo their PCs. So we waited in line for like 10 minutes and then we got 45. Actually, I think they were like, you have 47 minutes with this PC. And we we're like, okay. <laughs> and they had like a whole Steam library. And um, I got to play Tunic, which is a game that's out on Xbox right now. And I was, I had like heard a lot about it and I got to play a little bit of that. And that was fun. Oh man. What did you, what did you hear about it? So Tunic, I've heard that it's a very, kind of challenging like top-down action adventure kind of like hyperlight drifter but it's like a very cute art style and as i was playing through i probably paid like 20 minutes of my demo i played tunic and you kind of like i really was just like trying to rush and see as much as i could and i kept finding these little things and basically it was these like pages like a game manual for this game but it's in like a different language and like there's like really cool art on it and stuff like you can't really 
understand what it's saying. And then like you go and find another page and it has like a little bit in English, but it's like very much like somebody like scratched out what was in the, the fantasy language and like wrote it in English, like do this instead. And it would just be like, oh, like you can, you have a charge attack if you hold this button. And it's kind of like, as you go through, you discover secrets of this world. And it, it looked like it had a pretty dark twist to it because I walked upon this chest and this chest had already been opened. So at this point, like I had found a couple of chests and they gave me items. And it's like, I walked upon a chest that was already open. I was like, so there's somebody else here. You know what I mean? And it kind of is this like spooky kind of vibe, but it's like so cute and like happy in its art style. But then there are like some really punishing enemies. And I don't know. I think that game might be something special, but I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to play it, but it was cool to, to demo it there. So I got to do that when I demoed the PC. And there was another game that we played. I, I wish I remembered it. Oh my God. I'm going to see if I can find it really quick. But it was something like chicken. I'll tell you, Tunic is quite a name. It's interesting. Oh yeah. You should look up the art of it because Tunic is kind of like this fox that's wearing a tunic and the art style is just, it's, it's kind of interesting, but it's like really cute. And I don't know. It's awesome. I don't know. If you get a chance to check out Tunic, you definitely should. I mean, I can't speak to the whole game, but definitely like the intrigue and mystery that I fell while playing. It was really cool. So the other game that we played was called Ultimate Chicken Horse. Have you ever, you ever heard of this game or played this game? Ultimate Chicken Horse. Ultimate Chicken Horse. Yeah. It sounds silly. <laughs> it, it's very silly. So basically you have a stage, right? You get to a 3D platformer stage. It gets very simple. Like it's very short. Like there's really only two or three paths. And there's like, like the one that we did was a pyramid and there was like a path through the pyramid or you could go up above and over the pyramid. And then you had to jump over a pit. And then you, if you got to the flag, you won. But the catch is they drop you in this menu and you have like three seconds to pick an item. And if you pick an item, it can either help you or it could be a trap to hurt or that you could place on the environment. So like one thing that I got was, uh, it was like a, a saw blade, like one of those like huge saw blades, big circular saw blades. And it kind of like went back and forth on a, like a flat surface. So I put that over the pit, but like a little bit to one side. So it's like, you had to like make your jump longer if the saw blade was there, because it's like, if you hit the saw blade, you would die, but like you had to jump on the platform where the saw blade was on in order to jump over the pit that we were on that like you had to, to be. So it's kind of like you manipulate the environment further. And like another one I got was a crossbow and it shot, I set it up. So it shot through right through the middle of the map. So like, if you went over the pyramid, you had to jump over them. But if you went through the middle, you had to jump over the arrows to me because it was right in the middle. So it like went through both paths. And I think the Andrew, when I was playing him, I think he had like a lightning bolt or something that could shock you. But then he got an item that like let him blow up something and he blew up the, the saw trap that I put on the, yeah, the traps. So it was really cool. It was really fun. If you ever get a chance to play <laughs> Ultimate Chicken Horse, very, it was a very silly kind of like party game like that. So would you purchase it again? Like, would you purchase it for yourself and play it again? If I had somebody like to play with, yeah, totally. I don't know what platforms it on. It, it looks like it's on Switch actually for like 30 bucks. Yeah, I, I mean, I would totally play this. Totally buy this, totally play this again. But I think it's one of those things like you really got to play multiplayer, so at least from what I got of it, but it was very, yeah, very silly, 
very fun. And there is this, this one that I actually had another game that I want to shout out. I didn't get to play this one just because like we didn't have time, but we've talked about Game Boy games a little bit here and there on here. And this was very much like the art style was very much Game Boy inspired. So it looked like something that you could play on a Game Boy, but they had it on like a big TV. And that was called Melon Journey. And I don't know, that just looked really cool, like very one tonal art style, but it just looked like a Game Boy game. So that one was really cool. And actually, there's another one. This one was really fun. This was a very standout demo. It was called Tough Love Arena. And it's a fighting game, Brandon. So I might have to, we might have to hop on and <laughs> this might be my fighting game. <laughs> yeah, I definitely got to check that one out yesterday a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. I yeah. thought it, the art style was pretty wacky and the, the fighting was simple, but also mm-hmm. looked like you could, you could really get some. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I sent this to Brandon because it's like you can play it now and anybody can play this. So this is definitely a great one to shout out. It's called Tough Love Arena and it's a fighting game. I think if you set it up on your controller, like just connect your controller to your computer, like I think that'll work better for you. I was kind of struggling when I was showing Brandon trying to do it on the keyboard, but maybe that's just me. But I guess the whole pitch of Tough Love Arena is it's supposed to be a simple fighting game that anybody can do. So you really only have, it's like three directions, or I guess it's four directions and three attacks. So like they had us play on a Sega Genesis controller which was really cool because they have three big face buttons. And that was kind of cool because like a lot of the, the demos were like hooked up to like new controllers, like a PlayStation 4, like an Xbox One controller, you know? But this one was just hooked up to like Sega Genesis controllers, which if you don't know, it's kind of like a retro, I mean, like it very much is a retro controller, which I thought was just awesome. And yeah, like Brandon said, the art style is like really cool. Definitely check this out. Like literally you can just play it like right now, you can play it on your laptop, play it on a browser. It's called Tough Love Arena. And it's very simple. Like there's only three attacks. There's like a normal, a special, and like there's basically just three buttons. So you don't have to like do anything crazy. And yeah, it's, it was just really fun. So it's kind of like a fighting game for beginners. So it might be the one, Brandon. It might be the fighting game that gets me into it. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I want to talk about a board game. And then there's some VR games that I got to check out too which was awesome to get to check out some VR games. And I just got to say, Brandon, we might just have to buy some VR headsets. That's all I got to say. They were that good. It's just fun, man. Like it it just feels like the games, like we really talk about all kinds of games out here. We talk about games that we chill out to, like games that we get like completely lost in, like narrative driven games. Like, I mean, we, had a, a phase where pretty much all we played was zombies, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like we talk about all kinds of games here and like with VR, I feel like it's definitely the next phase of where video games can go. Because like for one, when you're, when you're in a VR space, you can get like totally lost in it. You can get totally more immersed in it. So with anything, like if there's a constraint, it leads to creativity. For example, a Game Boy cartridge can only be 16 megabytes. And today, in today's world, people are still developing games for the Game Boy. And I think they do that because of what kind of gaming experience can I make with 16 megabytes? You know what I mean? Like, it's like that kind of constraint leads to creativity. And 
when you're talking about like VR kind of games, the constraint is very much a lot of people don't have them and they're kind of expensive. And this one game that I played, one, it was probably like, honestly, this was probably the most fun I had at the whole convention was doing this demo. And I kind of, I mean, I've been talking about this for like 30 minutes. Like I had a great time, you know, these two days, but this one game was just so much fun and it was a VR game, but only one person had to have a VR headset. So I feel like I want to preface that to say like, this was just so much fun, but the game was called Davigo. So that's D-A-V-I-G-O, Davigo. And basically it was one person that had a VR headset and it was them versus somebody that had a controller. So it was really like VR versus the controller, like a floating head, which is what the person in the VR was like, just a huge floating head with hands. It was them versus the person with the controller, which like controlled an avatar. It literally, man, it felt like the person in VR was like a God trying to smash an insect on this plane. So it was very much like a God versus like an insect or like a normie kind of thing. (laughs) It's just so fun. But yeah, so like I played as a person with the controller and I had these rockets. Basically, I would run around the space and try and shoot rockets at the huge floating head in the sky. And Andrew had like that VR headset on and he was just trying to smash me and grab me. And it was just so funny because like you could actually ride on the rockets. So one thing that I found out that like he grabbed me at one point and threw me off the side, which was just so funny because it was basically I was on an island. I was running around this island trying to shoot rockets at this huge floating head that had hands. And he like grabbed me and threw me off the side of the island. And then there was a way that you could ride the rocket. And I like rode the rocket that I had. I like jumped on the rocket and like rode it back onto the island. Then it was like, we're just back at it. And he's like picking up rocks and like throwing them at me, picking up trees and throwing them at me. And it was just so fun. It was also just like the perfect demo length because it was five minutes and it was just so much fun he's like there's the anticipation of like waiting in line watching the other people do it and you're like oh my god this is like such a cool concept because like it's if you have i mean a lot of people you know that have vr headsets like they're kind of in the gaming space like they probably would be able to set this up you know very fairly easily but it's also like if you wanted to like i kind of talked to them if you want to hop in you can just hop in with a vr headset go versus people that only have a controller and if you have the controller you can just like do it on steam you know so it was just so much fun man and i think that is so cool where it's like the constraint of not everybody having a vr headset and most people having like a pc setup of some kind or a console or like an ability to play this like how that constraint led to you know this game which was just like so fun man so if you ever get a chance, check it out. It's called David Go. David Go. How do you spell that? And that's D-A-V-I-G-O. And I think you, if you like support them on Patreon for like $5 a month, you can get access to their beta or something like that. Like definitely check them out. Like I'm sure they have it explained better on like whatever it is, their website or their Patreon. I'm like, go check out some gameplay of this game. It's like, it's truly unique and so fun. Oh man, that one was so cool. <laughs> There we go. That's the future, man. AI. VR. VR. (laughs) Actually, there was a game that had some AI and some VR. What the? Actually, I'll talk about this one too. This one's cool. So you can play this if you have a VR headset and you can play it if you're 
if you just have a PC too. Um, so I actually am going to give Carter a shout out. We did a whole VR episode and he was our special guest. He actually put me onto this game before like I got to pass. Like I kind of knew about this before I even got there. And the game is called Demio. So that's D-E-M-E-O. And what it started as was a VR game. And you're in like a basement room and you look down and you're looking at a tabletop game, like a tabletop RPG. So what you're looking down at and you can either do it solo or you can do it cooperatively, like with up to like four to six players or something like that. And you can take on like collectively, you can take on a strategy RPG or like an adventure RPG or like an RPG campaign on a tabletop setting, but it's through VR. And what's cool about this is they, as of the weekend of PAX, they were like, as of last weekend, it's out. You can play it on PC as well. So like, it's been out for like a year plus with this, with it just VR only, but now you can also play it in a PC environment. So like, if you have like a laptop, for example, if I wanted to play with Carter, I could play with Carter now and he's in the VR space and I'm on a laptop and we could do that now. Whereas before it was only like, you know, people with, with VR headsets. So it's another game where, you know, the constraints of VR is leading to like a really cool thing, but also, so you're the AI that you're fighting is just like the campaign of the RPG, which is really cool. So, and it kind of like when I did it, I demoed it in VR and it really felt like you were in this basement, right? Like it really felt like, you, like, you know, like the stereotypical, like, People playing D and D in their basement or their mom's basement, like it really felt like that, where there's just like a shelf with like an old TV on it, and like an old worn out chair that you could. It looked like you could just walk over and sit in, but then there was like a table in the middle of the room, and that table had the game, which was the RPG, and it was really cool because in VR you can totally manipulate your environment. So, like for example, if you wanted to like pull the board closer to you, you could grab both hands. And like make a pulling motion and that would move your where your head was in the environment so like i wanted to like see more of a top-down view and i like grabbed the sides of the board with like the buttons on the vr and like pushed away with my hands i just like pushed away and that like put me into a higher view so i could be able to see the whole environment so very cool how like they're just like learning how to in easy ways for people to navigate 3D space. Like they didn't even have to tell me I could do that. I just knew I could do that, which was just like so cool. But yeah, actually it looks like I only have two more things to talk about. Actually three more, but one of them is pretty quick. So there's another game we got to demo called Dolmen, which D-O-L-M-E-N. And it was kind of, I think they were trying to be like a Dark Souls, but like in sci-fi, like in space. So you had like swords and guns and then you kind of just went up against aliens. It was very punishing. Probably not for me, but if you're into that, it was very cool. I had very cool art styles. It was D-O-L-M-E-N. And yeah, so there's, I want to talk about one more game and a board game that we got to do. So I'll do the, which one do you think I should do first? Board game. Okay. So, so this was like a whole part of the convention that we didn't really get to see and part of that was just because of time we just didn't have enough time to do everything but like half the convention was like board games they actually they had a lot of card games as well 
that you could demo. They also had like magic tournaments. It was very fun, a very cool vibe. But so this this game, this board game I'm about to talk about, you can buy it on Amazon and it's called Starship Tactics. And I've actually never played a game like this, Brandon. I don't know if you have either. It's basically, it's, it's called like a miniatures tactics game. Have you, you heard of what like a miniature type of game is? Miniature tactics. I actually think it's maybe like miniature buildable tactics or something like that. Never heard of this. So basically what they do is they sell parts and you take the parts. And when you buy like a parts kit, a part has like a corresponding card. So like, okay, I guess to give you, I mean, it's pretty much in the name. It's Starship Tactics. It's uh, you can either have campaigns where it's like two people cooperatively take on an enemy vessel in a starship or like what me and Andrew did. It was me versus Andrew and like we each were controlling a starship and you can buy the pieces. So like if you bought the wings of my starship, you could have the wings of my starship and that the wings would have a corresponding card and you could have the chassis of this, the starship be a different starship chassis. So like basically you kind of like create your own with these miniatures and they turn into a starship eventually. Like there's only so many pieces, like there's two weapons, a wings thrusters and like a chassis and that you can buy individually these like miniatures and then you, they all click together but they also have like a corresponding card and they line up on your board. So it could be like applied to like a couple of different things. Like you could have it be like a mech miniature game. Like instead of a starship, like it could be like a mech and like, oh, you have like certain legs or certain arms and each of those arms, like one clicks together like a Lego set, but then also has a corresponding card, which would give it gameplay options. So basically, does that make sense? Yeah. It's a little bit kind of a weird concept, but it's like very easy once you see it because you're like, okay, it's this starship, but it has these wings to it or it has this weapon and you can mix and match those if you have the pieces to it. And it was really fun because then there's like this huge mat and the mat was basically the open space. And there were like a couple environmental pieces that were like, there was a junkyard or like an asteroid field. There was also like a void, a black hole in the middle. And like you can move all of those things around and create like in different environmental challenges. And like they each give you a different boost or a benefit. So there's a nebula. And if you were in the nebula, it gave you a cooldown effect, which basically lets you perform more actions. And let's say if the other player's ship was not in the asteroid field and your ship was in the asteroid field, if there was a, a strip of the asteroid field that was in between you and the other person, you would get like a, a bonus because you have more evasiveness because you're, there's more objects in the way. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. I guess you would just get like an obstruction bonus because there was something obstructing the other person's view, which is very cool. And basically like everybody or each starship has a certain amount of health and you have to perform certain movement options or actions and you kind of move around this open space using those actions and then you can decide if you want to increase your evasiveness increase your weapons and like things like that and basically we demoed it and it took us like probably an hour and we got to play through and it's kind of one of those things where it was like it was very evenly matched 
And then like, they were watching us do the demo and like, they didn't really tell him like the act, he was doing something, but like, they didn't tell him what was going to happen and he did it. And they were like, Oh, you hit the side of the map. You lose all of this mobility. Like you lose your turn basically. And I was like, Oh, well, and he's like stuck here and he didn't get to like finish his turn. He's like a sitting duck. And I like swooped in and basically took down like half his health. And I was like, at that point, like he just couldn't recover. So it was kind of like, I think they kind of just like wanted you to experience the game, but it's also like, they did not tell him, you know, what, I guess the repercussions of what his action was going to be before he did it. So I, I think they kind of like manipulated that a little bit to have us, make us having a funner demo, but yeah, so it was very fun. Very cool. Do you have any questions on that? I feel like that was a little bit more complicated for me to explain. Not really. You think you got it? Would you ever play a game like that? You know, I'm not going to go ahead and say I wouldn't because I don't know if Elden Ring has taught me anything is that like I'm up for challenges. So I I can definitely see myself. Yeah. And that one was more of like, you had to like use strategy or like you only have like so many actions, which action do you think is going to do the best for you in, in this moment? So maybe we should check out some more like, tactics kind of style games um, and i you know i think that like a video game version of this might be more fun and maybe more affordable because kind of with this and like i guess like the un, it's i mean like i don't think that those guys are out there to make a profit off of this game like i think like they genuinely talked about it with a lot of passion but it's like all of those physical ship parts to make your ship you know they cost money and if you want to have like different wings, like you got to buy like a set, you know what I mean? So I think that that, I mean, like board games and are just expensive in general, just because there's a lot of physical parts that make up the game, but even still yeah, very fun. And the last demo that I want to talk about is the Coney Island. And this was, yeah. Have you heard of this? What? <laughs> I mean, I remember 2012 and like, everything that happened there oh shit maybe i'm saying it wrong what happened in a coney island oh wait no no never mind never mind what were you thinking of? <laughs> 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 that's a good about i think it's like the leader the regime dictator coney remember i was talking about oh Joseph my coney? no no how do you spell that k-o-n-y he was a ugandan militant who founded the uh, resistance army a Christian fundamentalist organization designated as a terrorist group by the United Nations peacekeepers, the European <laughs> Union, and various other governments. Well, it's definitely not that. It's nothing to do with it. It's like the opposite of that. <laughs> I, I, so I was like, what the fuck? Coney Island? No, but then no. Now I'm like, then I something clicked, and I was like, wait, like, it could be Coney Island here in Europe. Coney Island. Yeah, no, it actually, it, it's not even spelled that way at all. I think you... <laughs> It's Iconi, so it's I-K-O-N-E-I. So maybe I'm not even saying that right. Yeah, well, yikes, but Iconi, Iconi Island. <laughs> it's by this developer called Snowcastle. And they have another, actually have two other games. And it was really cool to talk to them just because they were, they were obviously like very passionate about their game. And it seemed like really cool. It's a really cool concept. And I just think it's very interesting. So kind of the whole premise of this game is it's kind of like they also they were kind of saying this was the first time they've shown the world. So 
like shown it in public. So they're like, we're not sure if like certain aspects of this are going to stay with it. So the part that I'm going to use to describe it at at the beginning, they were very much like, we don't know if we're going to keep this. We don't know if we like this, but I'm going to use that as a starting point to kind of describe it. So just know like that part may change. It felt like an action adventure game where it's like isometric view and you walk around a space. However, there was some combat like a little bit, but they were like, we don't know if we're going to keep any of this combat or like at what form this is going to be. So even though they have that, there is like a placeholder, it might not ever be that. So it might just be an isometric view kind of game where you walk around and they have like crafting and farming kind of like animal crossing, but you basically are on this Island and this Island has different biomes because of like an ecological disaster and you your whole kind of mission is to help free the world from these pirates that are causing an ecological disaster which they kind of said their target audience is like like kids and like if you are you know a parent and want to play a game with your your child like this is something that you could introduce like games to them with this and i thought it was like such a cool concept one half, I mean, like, obviously anybody of all ages can enjoy a chill game, but to have like a chill game that has very simple mechanics designed for everyone and have it be kind of like this cool story of ecological disaster and fixing the environment. And I thought that was really cool. And you meet animals that help you along the way with to have certain abilities. So like there, he was showing me this bird and this bird has like kind of looks like a dodo bird but it has like a very funky beak that kind of looks like an axe he's like yeah once you meet this bird you can help it use it to chop down trees and then you, know, you can plant them later and or maybe maybe not but it kind of seemed like they were like yeah it's not about like destroying the environment it's about like helping helping the environment which is also kind of cool if you're in like a a farming and crafting kind of place because a lot of games where you're like, it's a survival base. Like you take a lot from the environment and use it to craft things. And that's like, not really like the ecological consequences are, I mean, it's a game, you know what I mean? It's not really ever talked about. So I think that's a really cool idea, cool concept. So very interested to see if that game or when that game comes out, very interested to see what that is. And they have another game called Earthlock, which this I thought was very interesting. It had a very interesting story. So they Earthlock and Earthlock 2, and basically Earthlock was uh, their Steam project. And then everybody that had bought Earthlock got Earthlock 2, which they were like, after another eight to 10 months of development, after shipping Earthlock, we just, everybody that had bought it got Earthlock 2. And if you get anything, get Earthlock 2, because Earthlock 2 is what our vision was for Earthlock 1, but we just like couldn't get it all done in the time frame. So that's very cool that they like, they had, you know, like a game and then everybody that bought their game got their second game, which I mean, it, granted, I think it was like a, less than a year later that the second game came out. But they were, I just think that's cool that they did that. And Earthlock 2 is just kind of like a group of, of friends kind of go around on missions, you know, rescuing family members and friends trying to save the world. And they said it was very much inspired by some of or Final Fantasies because they all loved those like early Final Fantasy games. So I think that that is something that's cool. Like you can kind of see their work, see what they've done, but then also see this new game that they have that's coming out. And that, that stood out to me. 
And I think that they're, I don't remember where their studio is out of, but I think it's somewhere in Europe. Yeah. So that's, that was PAX East. It was a great time. Amazing time, you know, just being in a public or just being in like a physical space again. And there were just so many people. I guess not that it, not that it matters at this point, like retroactively, but they made everybody that went, they had to show proof of vaccination and you had to wear a mask the whole time. So, I mean, there were, I mean, there are thousands of people here. So it's nice that they did that, made everybody feel safe and it was a great time. So that's PAX East, man. <laughs> PAX East. Looks like I got to go to PAX East, man, because it sounds like a very, very eventful place. Lots to check out. I think and- you would really like it, man. And one thing that I was talking to Andrew about afterwards is we were kind of saying that we each kind of had different pulls towards different things. And I think that some of the games that he wanted to check out, like I never would have checked out and I think vice versa as well. So that was really cool. So I think that if maybe if like, let's just say like we went together and maybe we had like a group of people that went together next year, I feel like we'd all kind of pull each other in different ways. You know what I mean? It's very cool. That's good. And uh, everyone gets to try like things they normally wouldn't. Yeah, definitely. Just broaden, broaden their horizons of, of games that they wouldn't even try. Yeah, definitely. The typing game that I spoke about, Outshine, that one, I, I mean, I was like, okay, I was kind of interested in, but Andrew just like jumped right into it and started playing. And I was like, okay, well, there's an open slot. Like I'll jump in and do that. And it was very fun. I had a good time with it. I don't think I ever would have experienced a game like that had I not like sat down and, and did that. And he was into it. So it's just kind of things like that. Or like I wouldn't have, if he hadn't have been talking to the developer, I wouldn't have had that one where I like, broke their game and they took it away from me <laughs> that was hilarious oh it's so bad i literally like as i was leaving i was like thanks for humoring me because <laughs> uh, and i think that there were like other people watching me play too and i didn't even i didn't even look back i was kind of embarrassed but <laughs> maybe that's just me in my own head but what about you man what have you been playing what have you been up to this, this past week or two Dude, same old, same old. I haven't been able to play a lot of video games. So Pokemon Go, when I'm on the go here and there, and getting back on that grind. Are you are you getting back into it a little bit? Yeah, when I, when I can. So what are you doing when you jump into uh, Pokemon Go? I feel like catching, we do different things. Catching Pokemons. Okay. Organizing my stuff because I need to buy more bag space and more like Pokemon storage. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, so I've just been. Every time I get on, I'll do a little bit like cleaning. Yeah, and, um, you know, man, I think I'm spent like twenty, thirty bucks at this point, and I don't know. It's just ten bucks. I just spend ten bucks and just max them both out, like with the ten bucks. I just use that ten dollars just to up your bag storage, up your Pokemon storage. It just made it like so much better for me because I'm like, I'm not. I don't have to worry about this for like a month now. That's true. I should consider doing that because. I don't know. It's very limiting. It limits the experience of it. Just yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. But besides that, it's still pretty fun. Just catching any Pokemon. You caught anything cool recently? Nothing out of the ordinary. Honestly, we see. Yeah, I've actually I've kind of taken a step back. I don't know what it is. I just feel like I don't really like the Mons that they have out right now. It's not really like a season. Like they don't really do it like season. Yeah, they just had a community day or so. I'm catching a slow bro right now. So, I mean, like the most recent thing I caught was a Lunatone. A what? I just hatched, I just hatched a shield on from an egg. Mm. 
But I, dude, I have so many gibble candies, like too many, and I don't have enough gibbles. But are you training them up to be like, like to compete competitively and like, uh, like an event or something? I like just, that? I just might. Do you have gibbles that you would be comfortable trading? Because maybe I, I have so many candies and I want to involve some. Oh, let me take a look. I've only got two. <laughs> That's okay. I'm I guess I could ask. trade you one, but I I don't think it's anything special. It's just like a four or six kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I've kind of been kind of bored recently with it. Like just the Pokemon that are spawning haven't been super into them. But I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a fun game that you can just have, you know. And it's springtime, getting out and about, you know. It's just great playing this game when you're like out in the world. Seriously, but onto another game I've been playing a lot of. Pretty much the last thing, Elden Ring. I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring, specifically that samurai build. Yeah, how's I that recently, going? I recently, well, I tried to respect my magic, my astrologer. Oh yeah, how'd that, go? that you you got to play with, and I mean, I was trying to use a lot of like strength and dexterity, pretty much like a samurai. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I'm just gonna rebuild this from a samurai, and it's been a lot of fun. Just having the ability to use the bow and arrow and I want to use the Uchi Katana. Do you like the Uchi Katana? I do. That's and my also, favorite part of it. I've been trying to implement the mage stuff into the samurai as well because I've done some research in like mid game to late game. My build that I had with the astrologers just like too one track minded to really mm-hmm. propel me past that part. So I need, you know, I really need to diversify. Yeah, I think that I, so I think I, we kind of talked about this. I mean, I've bounced off, but one thing that I just, I really did not like the bow mechanics. So I think if I'm going to like really have a shot of playing this game, I've got to have a samurai build that I use my katanas, but then I can switch over and use some magic or arcane and, or like some spells or incantations or something. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out what I want to do there if I want to jump into that, but. Dude, the map's just, it's so big. The game's so large. No, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's such a massive game, honestly. And I got to like level 180-something, and I only got to like halfway in the story. I got only completed 50% of the game. So Let me ask you something. Is there like a max that you can get? Like, can you max, like, or is it, or that's not a good way to say it. Can you like max the stat out? Can it only get to like a certain? No, point? no, I do believe it's like ninety nine for every single stat. So you can like, hey, I mean, like you're pretty close to two hundred. Like that's pretty close to having two stats like all the way max out. If you're like on yeah. your other one, no, seriously, it is. But I don't know. I'd just restart the build. It's more. It's much more fun too. Just playing. Yeah, I'm sure. I you know I've heard that a lot of people are, are jumping in and doing a second time. I feel like there's something about that. Just like jumping back in. You know, you already know where everything is. You already know how to play. Yeah, uh, you have a better people. idea. And like, I kind of I messed up a storyline too. I don't know if you got into this point. I remember you saying something about this when we first talked about it. Yeah, it really upset me because, especially for my astrologer build, it would have helped with some spells and, and the specific staff. But I pretty much botched the storyline by just following a YouTube tutorial and kind of like, you know, just doing too much at a certain time or too early and, and not knowing what I was really doing. 
not following like the progression of the game, I kind of like broke the quest line. And mm-hmm. on that playthrough, I'm not able to like complete it. It's really, that one thing. It's really tricky, but hopefully, you know, I don't do it this time with the samurai build. And it really changed my approach to Elden Ring. It taught me that it's not a game that's meant to be played like that. Like it's very much meant for you to interact with the world, read the dialogue, and just take your time with it. You know, this is really one of those games where slow is fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's just so much to explore, like so many things. Like I, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of excited to jump back in, but I think it's one of those games that like, you got to take your time with it. Like, I think we're going to be playing this game for the next year or two. We don't do this professionally. Like we're not putting any deadlines on ourselves to like play this game. Like we're just trying to have genuine experiences with it. I think we're going to play this yeah. for a couple years for sure. And it speaks, it speaks to just the design of it. Right. Cause it's like, it's, it's a game you can get on for 30 minutes and like, mm-hmm. you know, still have a good time. Yeah. that Yeah. Like you, like truthfully, you can get on for 30 minutes, kill a couple enemies, get some runes, or you could hop on for hours and you just get lost in it. Yep. So, and I do, I will say that, I think that one of the toughest things about gaming as an adult is like, you just don't have time to play for hours and hours. And like sometimes gaming segments, you know, sometimes you really like by the time your PlayStation boots the game up, you've got 10 minutes. And I think that that says something to this game. Like you can truly have like a 10 minute experience or you can have a couple hour play session. I, I think that speaks to Elden Ring right there. And I've never had a moment with Elden Ring yet where I'm like, I'm playing blindly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, just, I'm just playing and I'm like kind of just not really enjoying it. I'm just kind of playing to play. Kind of like when you just like are eating food and it tastes good. You're not really hungry, but you just want to keep tasting it. Yeah, like definitely. Yeah, definitely. You're just gorging yourself on Elden right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, man, like I'll hop into it and I'll just be like, well, I think I've got enough runes where, like, maybe if I kill, like, two or three of this enemy set, like, I can gain a level. And it's like, oh, man, I don't even know what, like, I don't remember where I was at, but, like, I'll just put it in Arcane this time. Like, maybe maybe I'll regret it later and I'll, I wish I would have put it in Strength or whatever, but I'll be like, I'll just do that next time, you know? Yeah. So there is something about that that's really fun. Obviously, like, I think it's intended to, you know, kind of be played through, like you get one story beat and go to the next, but it's like, it doesn't punish you for jumping back in at a later date. And something too, I feel like it's easy to get caught up in is the level system. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, cause like you're level 150 something like, oh, you're going to do really good at the game, but it's, it's really not true. It's more so about just your play style, your understanding of the game and mm-hmm. your ability to really like play well with your build. Yeah, like strategy and skill, you know. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think that, like, my experience is kind of speaking to that a little bit. Like, there's, like, a huge boss that, like, after I've beaten him, I've seen, like, a lot of people get stuck on this one boss. And I don't know what it is. Like, Margaret the Fell Omen. I beat him in three times. But I have died so much to this, like, stupid enemy that's, like, a little bit past him. People are like, oh, like, yeah, that's a hard enemy. But then that's, like, all people say about it. So it's, like whatever my build is and my play style, like it's super vulnerable to this one enemy, but you know what I mean? So it's just like, you have to like really know so many things in order to like, cause I, right now 
I don't know why I'm so vulnerable. I mean, like they use a like a magic, but I don't think it's, I don't think I'm like super vulnerable to magic. I think it's just like what their build is like they're If you get up close to somebody, they can like that ability create space. So, and then they can close that gap. So I think that now I'm like, I have to find a way to beat them from a distance, you know? And since I'm not using a bow and I had, that's really the, like, you know what I mean? Cause like, I think that's what it is. So, but like with Margaret, the fellow man, I could get up really close and get around him and do some massive damage with my Katana. So I think it's like, everybody has their own kind of play style and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. That can totally. Are you also a samurai? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So much fun, man. I love the samurai thing. I saw some really cool outfits. So I might try and like go for a, a samurai. Cause I, I'm still in the original armor. Just cause I think it looks cool. <laughs> Me too. I like the outfit where it's like that mask. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a samurai mask. And it's like white. It's all white and has that scary face. Oh, actually, that like might be the same. It has like the little strand of hair, white strand of hair coming up. Uh, I don't think so. Actually, one of the things that like I saw was like, it was like a white samurai armor set. So maybe that's it. But yeah, every time I'd play with Brandon online, he did like a different outfit and he just looks so cool. I haven't really discovered anything like that. So. I might have to look up some guides or something because there's just so much stuff. There is. It's a huge, huge world. I was watching an interview recently with, uh, what's this guy's name? George R. Martin. Mm -hmm. But they asked, like, to help design the world. He was just talking about how he got to play the game, like, early on. He doesn't play much, but he'll still play to this day. And he really has a good time just fighting bosses and stuff. Oh, you should send me that interview. I'd love to. I'd love to listen. That sounds really cool. Do you know who who heads by or like where on the internet it is? Let's see if I can. It's just on YouTube. I'll send it to you right now. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be cool to do. Yeah, I'm really interested at this game because like the lore is like a whole other aspect of it. That's it's just nuts. But as far as this episode, I think think we touched on a lot. Touched on Pax East. Lots and lots of demos there. Definitely need to go there with our media passes. <laughs> so you go there with our media passes, cover a bunch of games, and have, have a good time. Thanks for sharing that with us, Blake. That was that was a lot of games. I know it probably wasn't the easiest to just you know go on a rant there about all yeah, these definitely. different video games. So we really well. appreciate that. <laughs> and we appreciate you going out to PAX East for, for the podcast. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I guess uh, thank you to Andrew for hosting me. It was a lot of fun in, in Boston. Um, as I said in the demo where I broke their game, thank you for indulging me and letting me talk about <laughs> all those demos. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a wrap on episode 51. Let us know. Let us know how you liked it. Let us know how you liked that episode 50. We had a lot of fun with that one kind of thought about that one a lot that was just fun to do just going from topic to topic maybe we'll have to do another one of those soon that one was fun but i think we should take care of some business and shout some stuff off before we ended up brandon we haven't said this in a while but if you'd like to support us you can support us on patreon we do have a patreon where you can support for as little as one dollar and that gives you access to some bonus episodes that we did and we're trying to see still what we want to do there so thank you to everybody that is a patron of ours you can follow us on youtube we have a tiktok now and i'll be posting some stuff for pax east if i haven't already we actually got some cool things on there i did some some 3ds stuff i did a, like a little cool pokemon video did you see that one where it was like about jigglypuff 
No, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, well, I'll give you a little tease there. I mean, it's a TikTok, so everything's less than one minute. But did you know that Jigglypuff was going to be Pokemon's mascot? I did not know that. But oh, well, you'll have to watch the TikTok surprised. to find out more. <laughs> but yeah, so we've got like little things like that on there. And we have an Instagram as well. And we have a Gmail. So if you have any questions, you can send those questions to us at the sticky buttons pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, follow us on Patreon if you'd like to support us there. Thank you so much for listening. And the best way to help support us is to just share it with a friend. We've seen a little bit of increase in some listenership. So if you could just share this with a friend, that would be the best way to help us out. And thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Peace in the streets.